0: I remember um, in Baltimore working really directly with Tim Smith mm-hmm. um, and Brett McCabe. Um, so w- I think when when you have a bigger project, sometimes you know the reviewer, um, and then sometimes you don't. You know, sometimes I have Google Alerts set on my computer, and so sometimes my name will be like, and this is I, this is my bread. That's
1: so needy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it <is> not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Real like, cool yeah. people don't care. <laughs>
0: I'm, well, I'm not cool. <laughs> but that's been established. <laughs> um, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, um, sometimes, like, it'll be, like, Google or, like, Francis Pollock premieres blah, 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 like, written by, mm-hmm. you know, Tina so-and-so. And I'm just, like, I, d- I had no idea that this was even being looked at, mm-hmm. you know. Hi, my name is Francis Pollock. I'm Allison Chu. And you are listening to another episode of Miss Opera Music Mister a podcast exploration of trends and biases in contemporary opera and how they reflect the world at large. This podcast was developed out of a research project about gender bias in contemporary opera reviews,
2: And we realized that the issues were much more interconnected and sprawling than we could explore in just one academic research paper. So we turned to our friends, colleagues, mentors, and role models to help us out.
0: A quick note about this episode you might hear us referring to language about shooting or film. And this was because prior to pivoting to our podcast format, we initially imagined the series as a video blog. We shot this as a video, but then realized that what we're after is more suited to a podcast. Regardless, we hope you enjoy this episode.
2: So today we want to talk about the experience of being reviewed from the artist's perspective. And while I'm not the person to ask for that, but Francis is for sure. And we decided to format this like a little bit more of an interview. We called in two of our friends who have also been at the mercy or the benefit of reviews.
3: Hello, my name is Joel Thompson and I'm a composer primarily of choral and vocal music and also a student in the DMA program at the Yale School of Music.
1: Hi, my name is Edwin Joseph. I am a singer, actor, and writer from Delhi, India, but I've been in the US for the last couple of years. I recently graduated from the Yale School of Music uh, from the opera program, and uh, that's it about me.
2: So I think we should start by talking about everyone's experiences with reviews. How often have you been reviewed? Um, well, what's your experience like in the classical music review scene?
0: I dread them. <laughs> I hate reviews. Um, but I have been reviewed a bit. Yeah, not a like, uh, like not a ton. But I have been reviewed a number of times. That number might be, I don't know, thirty times maybe. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> something out. <else. laughs> it's more than <laughs> I was expecting.
2: I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's a lot. Yeah, 30's a big number.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, something oh, like my
2: thirty. <laughs>
1: There's no me in, on Mars, but yeah. apart from that, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done much. I'm sorry. <laughs> um,
3: I've, I've been reviewed some as well. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I've been reviewed um, by some, some publications, but a lot, a lot of it, sometimes people are writing blogs about my music and mm-hmm. incorporating it into analyzing music according to their perspective, which is always interesting. Um, so yeah, that's my experience.
1: Cool. Um, I've been uh, reviewed a lot more in India than, than the U.S. because the two years that I've spent in the U.S. has mostly been in school, uh, but I've had a few reviews in, in the U.S.
2: Would you say the experience has been positive or, or has it been like a, I mean, Francis, you said you dread them, but
0: yeah. okay, do you know that reviews? they're happening? Uh, Not always. That's actually kind of... uh, That's an interesting part of it. Sometimes you think they're going to happen and then they don't. That's also Mm -hmm. kind of frustrating. The reviews are... They come out sort of at the reviewer's discretion, I would Mm say. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, generally my experience has been positive, but that's no indication of my anxiety (laughs) leading (laughs) up to it (laughs) or afterwards. Um, Yeah. And some, sometimes, I think my, my one fear when it comes to reviews is sometimes people not getting my intention, regardless of how positive or not they, they think my music or react to my music, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's clear that my intention didn't get to them or they sort of missed the mark on what I was trying to say.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Edwin, what about you? Uh, I feel like it's like we we have like pretty unique perspectives in that because the two of you have created bodies of work that are interpreted by people as opposed to, for me I'm reviewed literally for performance and often it's pointless things that really added nothing to my performance, uh, which we can like talk about later, but it's it's coming from a different perspective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so at least in the last couple of years when i've thought about reviews i've only thought about them from the perspective that they're very important to me in applying for the for a visa in america <laughs> <laughs> which is which i suppose is unique on on this couch too uh, on a very real level that's the only tangible effect that a review has on my life is that mm-hmm. the more impressive those reviews are the better i look in, in a visa application, which is way more direct, I suppose, yeah. than, mm-hmm. than, than an esoteric idea of, oh, like, David Shengold thought I was good, uh, <laughs> but, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, you mentioned the reviewer by name, so yeah. I'm curious, like, do you know <laughs> these reviewers, what's your relationship to them? Do you have no idea who they are?
0: I, yeah, actually, um, I remember, um, in Baltimore, working really directly with Tim Smith mm-hmm. um, and Brett McCabe, um, so I think when when you have a bigger project, sometimes you know the reviewer, um, and then sometimes you don't. You know, sometimes I have Google alerts set on my computer, and so sometimes my name will be like, and this is this is my bread. That's
1: so needy. Is it, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> it's
0: not. It Real cool people
1: don't care. <laughs>
0: Um, well, I'm not cool, <laughs> that's been established. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, yeah, I mean, um, sometimes like it'll be like Google alert, like Francis Pollock premieres, blah, 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 like written by, mm-hmm. you know, Tina so-and-so. And I'm just like, I, d- I had no idea that this was even being looked at, mm-hmm. you know, do you, do you do that? Do you yeah, have I, a have, I, have a, I have
3: a Google alert, um, on, on my name and music.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, because there's some other Joel Thompsons mm-hmm. out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I usually don't know the reviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one really great review in the Chicago Tribune um, in early... In January of this year, actually. And I didn't know Howard Reich um, or meet him or anything, but he liked my music, so... <laughs> yeah.
2: So I I'm curious, though, like... Do you ever interact with the reviewer outside of this sort of like, oh, they wrote about me and I had no idea. I mean, do you ever talk to them about what you've done, take interviews?
3: Sorry, I just talked. Sorry. Yeah. You definitely <laughs> had the, the very recent experience with right. the New York
2: Times. This was Joelle's interview with the New York Times, published on June 30th, 2020 by Julia Hayward. But we'll talk more about that later. Right now, we want to hear from him about his experience in that process.
3: Well, the thing is, that one, I don't know if that was necessarily a review. It, it seemed more like... I, I had an interview experience mm-hmm. uh, with Julia, and, um, yeah, it, it seemed... She, she reached out to me said, I would like to talk to you about a specific piece, um, and we set up a time and we talked for you know, a couple hours. It was... wow a lot um, and then sent a photographer down here to take pictures and then there was like an editing process she had to send it submit the piece to the editor and some of my conversation got snipped and that was out of both of our control um, but yeah and then that ended up going into the times but I I don't know if I would characterize that experience as a review like after a mm-hmm. performance you know? yeah because
1: I feel like that's more like a feature of you yeah. Yeah, yeah. rather
3: mm-hmm. than them critiquing your work or judging your work, which is what a yeah. review I imagine is. Yeah. And then there was more editorial control in this feature rather than yeah, I think yeah, a review exactly. would be. You have one. no idea?
1: That, yeah. yeah. Like in, in the old uh, way of thinking, it essentially would have been you have a show, you have an opening on Friday or something like that. On Sunday, you, you're you out <laughs> looking at the the features Yeah. Uh, to see what they're saying about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
2: How far have your reviews traveled? I mean, beyond, like, what's the typical reach of your review? Do you think, you mean, how, what's the audience of the review?
0: When I interviewed at Yale, everyone had read, like, number, a number of reviews that I had that um, had been written about my work, which was a really interesting experience for me, yeah. And they, like, talked about it. Wow. Like, I remember feeling, like, the moment that I, like, got into Yale, because I, I had that moment of, like, you know, I feel like the conversation's going really well in the interview. Um, was when I talked about getting a bad review for, um, my piece with WNO,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, um, Chris was like, I read that review and Majette was fine, you know, with your piece. And I was like, she wasn't that, she wasn't
3: that <laughs> fine with it. She was <laughs> uh. like kind of lukewarm about
0: it. Just for a little more context, in 2016, I was commissioned to write a short opera for Washington National Opera's American Opera Initiative, a festival in which four composers were commissioned. One to write an hour-long piece and three to write 20-minute pieces. Mine was one of the 20-minute pieces called "What Gets Kept." We will link Anne Majet's review of the weekend in the description, and you can read it for yourself.
1: I mean, again, it's like coming from a completely different perspective. One, it's not classical music, and two, it's not America. But the most reviews I had ever gotten was for uh, like a musical that I did in India. And uh, which musical? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I expect you were playing Beauty. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, Look at him of <laughs> Yeah, it, was, it was extensive wigging, but yeah. it was extensive wigging, actually. Uh, yeah. uh, I was wearing three separate people's hair. Uh, essentially. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I mean, wigs are it's expensive. What, what role did you play, Edwin? I played the Beast, okay, fine. Uh, uh, but the yeah.
0: link in the bio.
1: <laughs> but, uh, 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 but yeah, no, I was 21. Uh, but the thing is, uh, in terms of Indian newspapers, right, uh, like a national daily in India, has, I'd argue, uh, possibly a much bigger readership than uh, a lot of American <laughs> papers, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and at that point in time, I didn't realize any of those reviews because I was just doing the show, I, just, I used to read it, but in terms of reach, uh, I remember there were relatives in Kerala, which is where my parents are from, that had, uh, uh, read something about the show, uh, in, 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 in that village, essentially, because wow. it was, like, a national daily, uh, but, yeah, it turns out, like, those things have, uh, there was another weekly magazine that had a readership of eight million per week, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, in terms of sheer number <laughs> of people, it's yeah. a lot more, and yeah. the only reason that I know this is because, uh, in in applying for my visa right now, which is what I'm currently doing, working with a lawyer on uh, accumulating all of this, is when I started picking up all of this, mm-hmm. and I also had to like qualify by saying what kind of uh, what's the uh, what's the circulation numbers for this paper, so that you can establish that it's like a big deal that you're it, as opposed to like uh, like nobody's heard of it. It's like you know, uh, I don't Yale Daily or whatever. Uh, 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 so yeah, essentially That's that's the thing Brutal it, No, it's not about being brutal It's essentially because I In what I'm currently trying to do I have to uh, measure it in those ways Like wow. I had great reviews And like great features about me For that job Whereas like most of the jobs that I've done Don't get that kind of reviews Because that doesn't happen early in your career mm-hmm. uh, But some are better than others like and you could see objectively but it's not really is it? it's just like more people have said that we care about this thought than we do about the Hartford current mm-hmm. yeah. no shade to Hartford current yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a great it's a great local newspaper but actually that is a really um like important thing it's like um it does carry a certain amount of currency to be reviewed <clears throat> in the new york times yeah you know,
1: mm-hmm. like you said, Washington like and major Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, New York Times. You already mentioned the big three,
0: Yeah, right?
1: So Literally to, in the first five minutes of our conversation.
0: So to get a shout out in those or a full review is, mm-hmm. um, it, it is substantial for a composer's career, I, I think.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. like people this summer had heard of the New York Times before I had, met the feature before I had interacted with them, and so right. like it sort of did the job of introducing myself to them, but then. Part of me wants to give them a whole picture so there's like a a pro and con to the whole thing but yeah <laughs>
2: well i mean let's talk about that like how much do you feel you know the information that you give or your performance or your piece actually makes it into the review and how is that represented i mean do you always do you like the way that they're writing have you ever felt that you've been reviewed unfairly
0: and there's also a, a difference. Like I just want to reiterate the difference between like a feature and right, a review. Of course. Um, cause like I've, I did a number of features around Stinny mm-hmm. and, um, that was much more personal. <laughs> it was much more like sit down, have a cup of coffee, like talk through like your, the show and like your relationship to it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like that, a lot of that makes it into print. Right. But the review itself, like I, I don't feel like you have really any say over what goes into that. Um. Yeah.
1: Also, can we talk about essentially what a review itself is? So, <laughs> hot take again. <laughs> <laughs> but Go essentially, it. it's it's one person telling how to feel about a certain piece to a bunch of other people who possibly might or might not watch the piece eventually.
3: It's it's sort of like a a perspective with an inherent authority just by yeah. the nature mm-hmm. of the fact that it's a critic, and you expect a certain knowledge of the art form um, you expect um, experience maybe even you know personal experience yeah. with the art form um, and sort of you you've been in dialogue with the history of the art mm. form as well um, I think all of those things are expected from a critical perspective when I'm when I'm you know reading Wesley Morris in the New York Times or or, um, or uh, AO Scott or something uh, I'm curious about the technical aspects of the film that I may not mm, have thought about, Have thought about, but there are other things like plot and character development and all that stuff that I'm, you know, also wanting to know what their opinion was, okay. but, and, and that helps me know what to do before I'm engaging with, like, set expectations, sort of. But that's but exactly what it, I mean. That's, <laughs> then that affects the way you if, view if, that piece of work. Yeah, but if I don't want if i want to experience a piece of art for what it is without that i don't read it before kind you know what i mean of, but Okay. i think it's there for those who you know either maybe want to confirm their experience of what they just you know yeah. what they um how they engage with the art or they want expectations set before they engage with the piece But
1: of art. <laughs> what what i'm asking is like is it kind of like do you feel validated in you liking or not liking a piece because because there was a famous critic who liked or did not like that piece
0: I think it's a game I mean like honestly like, <laughs> that's what I'm
1: saying <laughs>
3: Yeah, like, it, it, that's what I good. mean. that's the problem I'm yeah. not saying that I disagree <laughs> with you <Yeah>. I'm just <laughs> yeah
0: yeah but I like I think that there's sometimes that um like I take a lot of joy in disagreeing with critics you know Mm. like like I um there or or it's like absolutely maddening you Mm. know but like I think that um it is sort of this game of like how does my perception of the piece stand up to what the critic says so like and I like I want to say that I think that audiences have that same like authority like they do the same thing Mm -hmm. where they're like I absolutely hated this piece and the critic loved it you know or I absolutely love this piece and the critic hated it like I think that's a game that like society plays with the critic with this review Mm -hmm. um because it's fun you know
3: i i actually am (laughs) okay this is (laughs) hot take (laughs) no no i'm just i'm just gonna let you know what 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 i do Mm -hmm. uh, um sometimes (laughs) i i love reading film reviews okay I don't necessarily read music reviews at all, (laughs) but I especially love reading negative reviews of films that I loved Yeah, because I Mm. want to know who hated this. Yeah. Mm. Um, So the last thing I did was, I loved the movie Parasite. um, Went on Rotten Tomatoes. I was literally gonna bring up Parasite, (laughs) (laughs) and looked up the audience there's the audience score yeah, yeah, yeah. and you look up who hated it mm-hmm. and read all the other movies that they liked and yeah. didn't like and get to know them and like what they're into. That's I think it's fascinating. That's mad interesting. That's that's interesting. <laughs> I, I completely buy it. No, but I, I I only bring that up because you, you brought up the fact that the audience also has power in this situation. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. there's people like Tyler Perry who's almost all of his movies have middling to low scores, but... He's a billionaire. Yeah. (laughs) That's literally Adam Sandler. Except with Uncut (laughs) Jobs, suddenly he's a genius now. So, like, there's, to a a certain extent, from one perspective, you can say that the critics are completely missing it. Yeah. Like, obviously, they don't have the um, context in order to appreciate the films. I mean... Is mm-hmm. lots of reinforcement of patriarchy and homophobia and you know, all that stuff in Tyler Perry films. It's but yeah. <laughs> apparently black culture in America connects with that yeah. and w- is proving it with their wallets. Yeah. But mm-hmm. critics don't get it. <laughs> yeah. so.
2: Do you think critics are gatekeepers, then? <sighs> <sighs> yeah.
3: Okay, this is, this is gonna be the second... <laughs> that was a nice
2: collective shot right
1: there. Because <laughs> I feel like this is for you guys again. Like, the, a critic... Can make or break your careers, at least in the early level.
0: They can definitely make a career. I mm. I don't You don't think they kill I think a career it, anymore. Well,
1: if you work as lambasted, you think there will be a lot of people
3: who wouldn't like work with you for Do you like think something. there's going
2: to be a review no? that's like explosively terrible? Yeah, the they only
3: do that for restaurants now. Yeah, <laughs> it, but here's the thing,
0: is that it's like <laughs> But it's not like I fear it's like, you know, like the worst review that the New York Times like has ever put out, which is like that that really famous review of Guy Fieri's. Uh, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? It's a restaurant. The only right. That restaurant's still
2: open. Like it's doing fine. Well, because I would imagine that like any press is
0: good press, right? Any press is good press. That's what I was gonna say.
2: I it's that, like, if
1: it's like that terrible, I'd be like, huh? Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah, <laughs> He's got some eyes on him. Gotta see what all the fuss was about. It to see, that. like that's
1: <laughs> actually that bad. I feel that. I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> you know,
0: I mean, I think that like that's the that's the um, that's the position that like re- that reviews hold in society is like people get to put themselves up against them and right. see like do I do I um, do I agree do I disagree like mm-hmm. yeah
1: but I mean, again like it, it is kind of important like I've never thought about it from the perspective of my actual career but <laughs> for my visa 100%. But
2: the visa I is was so,
1: different. I, it's it's thing. That's I mean. different. It's a whole other thing. It's a whole So that's why like, it's a separate like conversation even. But that was literally the reason why, I mean, it sounds terrible to say, but like I was really looking forward to... The reason why I picked Glimmerglass and this opportunity specifically, this role that I was going to do, was because I kind of thought this has a really good shot at getting a New York Times review. You should explain mm. about Glimmerglass. I don't know yeah. if that was on...
0: Yeah, talk
1: sure. about... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I was selected to be uh, one of the young artists for the 2020 season of glimmerglass and, and I was contracted to sing Moralt, uh, which is like the baritone part, in uh, uh, in, Bar- in the Wagner opera, Die Faine. Uh And it's the first opera that Wagner ever wrote. Uh, in America, the only time that it's been done before this would have been city opera, I think, in the 70s or 80s. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of sort of like built Ipe up hype about, about yeah. what this right. opera is, yeah. which is. Which is why I thought, oh, there's a possibility that I might get a New York Times review for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Which would greatly uh, 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 up my visa application, essentially. Uh, so, which is like a completely different thing. But like, have you guys, um, but like, again, that like, you guys are performers, uh, uh, if there were performers, I would have asked, have you guys ever taken gigs or not taken gigs because of what kind of reviews that you could have gotten from it?
0: I think it's- I AD think King. it is actually different with projects. I mean, yeah. like, the reviews are, like, maybe the th- th- fifth thing that I think when I take a big project, um, like, that I think about, but, like, it's not, like, I'm gonna get reviewed well, and so, like, that's why I'm gonna take this project, because that's, like, a three-year <laughs> investment with opera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I'm not- like, when I, like, sign a
2: contract yeah, that's what opera, I- Yeah, mean, that's like, why it I, doesn't
1: mean the same for you guys, Yeah. yeah. I'm
0: thinking, I'm not thinking, I'm not
1: there yet. But
2: what about the usefulness? I mean, do you use the, like, a line from, I've seen a lot of performers use, like, a line from a review as, like, their start, their, the beginning of their bio, you know? like performers, almost
1: exclusively, yeah. 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 Especially opera singers. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Are there other uses, like, professional advantages to getting a review that's,
0: like, extremely positive and push your career in a different way? I mean, like, it it can do wonders for a show, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like... If, um, uh, you know, I remember watching uh, the first reviews of Prism come out um, Mm -hmm. when they did it in L.A. Prism is an opera by Ellen Reed and Roxy Perkins that won the 2019 Pulitzer Prize for Composition. The opera is great and was definitely worth the buzz it got from the L.A. Times review. We will link both the album on Spotify and the review from the L.A. Times in the description. And um, that those reviews propelled the show in New York, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that's what drove the Pulitzer, but like it definitely created enough hype in New York that it was like a big deal. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But as I said, there is something to be said about brands still, because we coming back to the quality of the review from the perspective of what kind of publication it's in. Similarly, what you guys said, your WNO opera, your Houston grand opera, Mm -hmm. You guys both mentioned those brands as opposed to a work that I was doing with an American opera company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It matters which opera company.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. it does. I mean, like definitely for the, um, the reviews, especially since we're talking about reviews, like smaller Mm -hmm. productions are less likely to get reviewed by the same like big media outlets. Mm -hmm. I guess newspapers we can say because like they are newspapers (laughs) that we're talking about.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but like, I don't know, I kind of see it almost like the review comes as a stamp of approval. Like, oh, you've reached this certain point, right? Like, you've made it to, you know, this certain tier of, oh, I can receive critical engagement then. Do you see it that way?
3: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm still relatively new to this thing. And so when the Chicago Tribune review happened earlier this year, it was a, a big deal for me, mm-hmm. I, I guess. That was the first like major publication mm-hmm. review. I mean, um, yeah, so I guess you're, you're right in, in suggesting that it does mean like a certain stage of career because um, no one was reviewing my stuff before that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it also introduces another level of anxiety, like one more thing to worry about. Right, right. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I, I, I think the anxiety is real. Mm. You know, I, I didn't, I don't love it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Do you like it? I mean... You're so I'm, confident, he's it's like, like I mean, it's always going to be
1: reviewed well, so. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, but the thing is, I'm, I'm terribly anxious, um, and fixate on the negative, and uh, I have a tendency to like sort of like doomsday scroll and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still remember from literally Beauty of the Beast, uh, of all the reviews, the only one I remember word to word is uh, his transformation felt stilted and awkward. I was like, I still remember it, like <laughs> drilling into the back of my head. <laughs> and it was like some some online magazine. <laughs> oh I
0: did the same thing. I like I have, in, in, for my WNO piece, like the, um you know, it was like waves of saccharine, like harmonies, like, and I
1: was just like, oh, no. oh no, what? <laughs> Waves <laughs> of saccharin.
0: This and this was not wonderful. even yet. This was like some like, you know, blog on mm-hmm. on whatever. But it was so funny because someone else who was in another woman in the same uh, festival slot that I was in, mm-hmm. that I know really well, got the exact same comment. Like, what? two oh. years later. So that, that, that was
1: just the, that, yeah. that was Aww. just the, yeah.
0: Yeah. Aww. Okay. Well, yeah. That's so the
1: calling
3: card. It
0: was <laughs> just like, I felt so vindicated. Mm-hmm. I was like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what that's
3: about, but waves of saccharine yeah. harmony. Not
0: about me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow.
2: Let um, me let me ask you this: How have you been identified in your reviews? What are the identity markers they they tag to in these reviews? <laughs> Francis is laughing because Francis and I spend A most of, of time our time talking, talking about this. this.
1: Like now, now we're switching to your paper. <laughs>
3: yeah, you <laughs> are. From
1: that segue. I mean in America, I'm, I'm just at this point of time, I'm just trying to do anything, whatever, I just like put me in something, uh, I'm trying to get gigs, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean qualifiers could be anything. Oh, I was wrongly identified as a bass in a review, uh, <laughs> but it's a great review, so <laughs> I've used it on my Your website. Base. <laughs> the bass now is what it is. Uh, <laughs>
2: Sometimes bass. But yeah. in his
1: defense, like I was singing a bass baritone role. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. You know. so I get it. But.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've been identified as woman composer, white woman composer. You in know. every review. Did no. they
1: actually say white woman composer?
0: Well, yeah, with Stinney they did. That's well, just so like, oh, okay. <laughs> that
1: makes sense. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Remember, this is my opera about a black child, George Stinney, who was accused of raping and murdering two white girls. We are all laughing because creators' identity and appropriation are topics that are getting a lot of attention in academic and critical circles right now. Sometimes the conversation is good, and sometimes it's sensationalized. Regardless, with a piece like Stinny, certain topics like identity and authority will always
1: come up.
3: You're right again. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I
1: was like, what does that qualification add? Okay, in that, it adds context. In the case of Sydney, it adds context. <laughs> I would
0: also say, the other one that I get is young woman composer. Mm. And young is mm-hmm. sort of a kiss of death in a lot of ways. Oh, and Stidi
1: was wow. all three. <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. so, so
1: talk but about But in now. opera, like a 37-year-old is young.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's true.
1: So, you know.
0: Why is it a kiss of death? to be young. Mhm. Well then, a uh, it's that thing that Ellen Reed so like, beautifully put in the last Yacht's, um, conference, it's like, then you're an emerging, an emerging composer. Mm-hmm. But like Edmund just said, like an emerging composer can be... Thirty-seven years old and have won the Pulitzer, mm-hmm. you know, and like that's the cycle that
1: like. And still just be trying to make it. <laughs> just, trying to make it. <laughs> like, just coming I'm, out. I'm, I'm an aspiring composer. <laughs> then, mom back home in Milwaukee is telling her friends that like, yeah, she's
3: she's doing it. She's doing it. Following <laughs> <like>, her passions. <laughs> Yeah. I like this hypothetical mom in Milwaukee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and Reed's mom is in Tennessee, but like who knows,
3: hey, you know, Hey, come on! I had no idea who that is. I did well. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Joel? Um, yeah, black composer, Jamaican American composer, um, young. Black do you composer. do you get young as well? Yeah, wow. I've, I've seen it. You know, um, but I'm thirty-one. <laughs> which, is, which is young. That's yeah. what I mean. Like that's what I mean. I'm getting up there, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There are there are definitely qualifiers that they put mm-hmm. to to your artistry. Um, it's. I think I've I've I'm just done playing, like being angry at that. I'm mm. just now trying to play against it or play with it. Play with people's expectations. There's a certain expectation of black music, woman music, you know, and it's like knowing that that's what a potential audience might come in with. um, I'm just going to. Be as honest as possible and stun them with that. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, that's, now that's, you're like,
1: listen to my black, black, black music.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's also quoting Mozart, but yeah. whatever.
1: But whatever. <laughs> There's a few. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah. <laughs> There's blackness. <Yeah>. Completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'd definitely play with that.
0: Yeah, I like. It shouldn't mean anything, but like the what one one of the things that Alison and I have. um been able to identify very clearly is that it's not like any of that goes around nico muley there is absolutely no ill will towards nico muley here in fact we are big fans of his music but we want to make a point here so we decided to keep the following
3: in uh. you know <laughs> <laughs> Oh wait you're naming names in this? Oh. <laughs> Put it in, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we're going to be
3: canceled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, that's true. It's you true. Know? It's true. But it, it's
0: true. like, it's nothing against like his music at no, all. It's just all. saying that like in the reviews, it's not like they ever take up review time to talk about like you know his complex relationship with his male gender, <laughs> like or his whiteness, oh. or his whiteness.
2: Like or his they never oh. do like,
0: that. None of that. Yeah.
1: Right this <laughs> is like a terrible, like, really funny thought, I was like, then we're talking about like, ah, the caucasity of his sound <laughs> the, caucasity. <laughs> the caucasity
3: Infused with a very particular caucasity
1: <laughs> Infused with a traditional proto-German sound <laughs> Okay, no, cut, cut that <laughs> I feel like, this might be a hot, yeah, hot take, so that's not, yeah. Maybe we can cut that one out.
3: Cassidy. So I use that on a daily basis. I'm <laughs> surprised it came out of your mouth. <laughs> okay.
1: Oh, no, no, no. My entire life is white people. There's white people that. I don't have the baggage of like growing up in America, so we can just say whatever.
0: Oh, yeah, That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> just don't get started on Churchill. That's oh, yeah. what it
1: That's the ultimate. That's what it breaks down. That's the ultimate white people. That's white people that. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, one more
2: question, though. I have, I have, I'm really interested about this idea of comparison, then. Like, mm. how does comparison figure Oof. in your reviews? Have you ever been compared to someone else? Oh. And what kinds of comments have you gotten?
0: It's always Copeland. Like, it's always Copeland. <laughs>
1: is it Southern?
0: Wants... No, no, no. It's like any
1: Are we gonna of... beep this? <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> always beep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anything that is, like, is tonal and, like, like symbolizes anything outside of like New England is like mm. <laughs> like they will label you as Copeland.
1: Hey, it's the Appalachian sound.
0: America. Copeland-esque. Oh. I have it seriously like three separate reviews.
1: That's Copeland. Francis
0: looks with like an, a Copeland-esque mm. you know aesthetic. I mean, I,
1: like, I, I, I wonder how much of it is to like try and make sense and try and make try and make qual- try and qualify something, try and identify. Familiarize. Uh, yeah, uh, because like. Mozartian is a sound. Wagnerian is a very specific yeah. thing. Even, even if I don't quote anything, you know what I mean when I say Mozartian. Right. You know what I mean when I say Wagnerian. But I, I wonder think, if it's that. I do if think it's it the need to do that.
0: I think that's white supremacy. Like, okay.
1: you yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. But, you're being uh, a
0: mold.
2: Yeah, you have to find the things
1: hey, that are... It's 2020. She said
3: it. it. She <laughs> said it. That's all I'm saying she said it. And I was just leading her. Jessica and... Gotcha. I didn't say it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I think that, like, I think that these comparisons to, like, uh, like, Eurocentric, like, Western classical music, I mean, especially for American composers, like, mm-hmm. and especially for, like, composers who have not fit the, like, historic mold, like, it, it, it's, it's reinforcing, first of all, it's reinforcing genius. Yep. Uh, and White male uh, genius. White male genius. And, like, <clears throat> Yeah,
3: and so, like, I don't, I don't think that, like, we need to do that. Okay, Schenker. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, so, I love Rachmaninoff. I, I pianist first, you know, that's, that's my intro into classical music. Lots of extended secondary harmonies. You know, I remember my experience in my first ever composition lessons and bringing in stuff that I was trying to follow my idol. But it got characterized as jazz. <laughs> <What>? Simply, <laughs> because, <laughs> <laughs> simply because of this. <laughs> Was a, no, yeah. seriously. There's no rhythmic. I'm just doing. I'm. It's basically watered down piano concerto number two, jazz. I'm mean, hiding the jazz elements in this. Um, I asked that I, great
0: Russian
2: tradition. Oh,
3: uh, uh, jazz. jazz! No, I, um, you know, Shostakovich did it better than you know, better. Miles Davis. No, um, no, and and, and I, I mean I've had teachers, you know, like continually bring up, like, oh, you should hide the jazz elements of this, or I would bring in a choral piece, because I, like, write a lot of choral music, and, you know, why don't you just write spirituals? Why are you setting keats? You know, like, <laughs> and I think part of it is because, you know, these people who I, I love, they, they, um, and they're, they're my mentors, mm-hmm. they see me and they, they don't have access to a tradition of music that they think that I have access to, and so they're like, oh, you should write that thing, because we need your skill on that thing um that they can't engage with so i i think that's my rationalization of their comments but you're right it's just we are raised in this society infused with white supremacy (laughs) and so that's going to be the context with which critics and teachers and pedagogues alike just yeah and
0: i never and i never want to like um like I'm not trying to essentialize, but, like, it, I, f- I feel the same way when, like, um, there's this, like, there's this, uh, I sometimes feel like my identity is being commoditized, like, I'm being placed on a program.
1: Oh, yes. I'm pretty certain that all of us have been on the cover of every single, like, program that we've ever done. Okay.
2: Okay, now that you've heard the four of us talking about the experience of being reviewed, we want to turn to something maybe a little bit more tangible for our listeners to grab onto and participate in. In our YouTube video, we will link both Joel's and Nico's features in the New York Times.
0: One is of Nico in 2011 when he was 30 years old and just commissioned by the Met. The other is of Joelle that came out in 2020 shortly before he was also commissioned by the Met. Like you said earlier in the episode, Joel is also 30 years old.
2: We talked to Joel about doing this thought experiment, and he's on board. We think comparing the two features is simply an interesting thought experiment, and we want to know what you think. Do you agree with us? What are the differences you spot between the two features? Are there things that Joel's feature does better than Nico's feature, or vice versa? How are these two creators in the same field being treated in the media? Now, this is not to assign blame or intention, but simply to call attention to the representation of these artists.
0: There is nothing in this world that would make Allison and I happier than engaging in a discussion about these two articles with you, our listener. So here's what we need you to do. Log on to your social media platform of choice. We are on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And give us your impression about these two articles, how they are similar and how they are different. We will be collating the comments and representing them back to our community so that we can all be in dialogue together. If you feel strongly about a particular point but don't want your comment out in the world, feel free to reach out to us through our website at midnightoilco.com. We want all of your thoughts, the curiosities and the hot takes, the frustrations and the discoveries. If there is one thing that Alice and I are sure of, it is that we cannot move forward in this field without honesty and engagement. Let's us, the people who love this work, this field, who love opera, let's dive in and shake things up a bit. We look forward to engaging with you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Miss Opera Music Mr. If you like what you've heard, please feel free to follow and engage with us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and would love to talk to you about your thoughts about the contemporary opera scene. Be sure to check out all the other incredible projects being incubated with Midnight Oil Collective at this time. And as always, tune in next week to hear about more discussions about the contemporary opera world featuring our favorite opera scholars and composers. You know, the people who are actually doing the thing. Lots of love, y'all.
1: This podcast episode was produced by Connor O'Toole.